My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Hello, my magical friends. I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. It's been a much nicer week for me. Uh, Last week was pretty good. I was really able to get my bearings again and kind of get back to normalcy in a lot of ways. Still not watching a lot of things, but that's mainly because I was a little busy. And uh, I guess, yeah, so let's get into uh, what I watched this week, which was honestly not much. As of this recording, I watched the most recent Healing Good Precure. This was a really cute episode. I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to get into like a lot of details, but I really adore the character of Peggy Tan a lot. And I really love just the general way that the fairy characters of this season, the healing animals, are really, really, really fleshed out characters, if that makes sense. So yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. It was very sweet, very like non-toxic masculinity or whatever, if that makes sense. I don't know. It was nice. But yes, uh, <laughs> it was very interesting. And I was very lucky today that my first student was absent, which meant I could stay home and watch the episode live on television instead of using my application, which is a nice change of pace. Uh, also means I get to enjoy all the wild commercials in between. You don't really realize how many products there are for Precure until you get to that stage. It's like commercials for glow-up pajamas and things for your school bag and things to hold your accessories and so on. And it's very popular. I also watched Miracle Leap, the Precure movie. I'm very excited to say that that is what the bonus episode will be about. So I recorded the bonus episode on Friday and I started to edit it and then I realized that I missed a lot of stuff that I wanted to say. So I'm thinking about like kind of cutting in with some extra notes or trying to figure out something like that. So uh, for that reason, I was hoping to get it out, but it's still not out yet. So hopefully by next weekend, Uh, Just to have a little something extra, I really want to put it there. Um, It's just going to be me uh, kind of recapping the movie and then also going through the pamphlet because I bought the pamphlet as well for the movie, which was actually very, very helpful. And then, yeah, just going through kind of what I felt about it. So I generally really enjoy the movie, you know, as I always enjoy Precure. It kind of made me rethink my whole life in a way, but a lot of Precure movies make me kind of think about everything in life. I don't know. This is kind of a short intro. There isn't a lot for me to say this week, to be honest, because um, so I've been thinking about putting in a break in the podcast in January, as I kind of need to be doing a lot of personal stuff anyway. Yeah, so uh, I have some plans for February and so on, but after that, I'm really unsure. So if there is something you want me to talk about that I haven't yet, or if you know someone or you want to be yourself a guest on the podcast, you can contact me directly or there's a form you can fill out. I guess I'll repost it on Twitter. I'll repost a link and I'll also put the link to the form in the show notes of this episode. Just as a reminder. So no guarantees exactly. I don't know what else to say because I really do want to keep trying to reach out to hear different voices, if that makes sense. And 
Of course, there will be some repeat guests, I think, because, you know, there are some people who, like me, just love so many different series and have a lot of things to say about a lot of different series. Um, I'm already starting to plan thinking about that in the future. But still, I think it's the great diversity of voices that we have in this fandom that is really what draws me to making this podcast in the first place. So... Yeah, if you think you have a story worth sharing, or if you think you could be a great voice as a fan of a certain series, yeah, please consider it, if you haven't already. Yeah, and with that, let's get into the news. So, today's news is kind of small. It's a little confusing, to be honest. Um, And it's about Precure again, sorry to say. So, Precure... It's a big series, so it's kind of everywhere. Uh, One thing that, as everyone knows, is difficult about Precure is its availability overseas um you know well when i say overseas i mean outside of japan so a weird thing happened i guess it was last week where there was a website i guess it's a chinese based streaming service so it's mostly chinese programming i don't even know if i know how to pronounce the name so let me just check it one more time so i would guess that it's i g But I really don't know because I don't know Chinese. So I apologize if I mess it up terribly. It's I-Q-I-Y-I. So they have been posting that they are streaming Star Twinkle Precure. So this is uh, last year's season. I keep trying myself to watch it at uh, IQ.com. And I couldn't find it there. And I don't know if it's because of my location, if it's like blocking Japan. But a lot of people were also saying... And this is with English subtitles, by the way. I think that it's also available with other subtitles, but from what I know, that's the basic thing is that it, yeah, it's, um, so that was curious. So I tried to look into it and their animated section isn't separated by location, I think. So I can't like specify like Japanese animation or anything like that. So it seems to be mostly Chinese, which makes sense. But I can't find pretty gear on it. So I think, because I'm in Japan, that it's blocked. But uh, otherwise, I also see that a lot of people are saying that it's unavailable in their own countries. And that it was at a point, but now it's blocked. And it seems to be due to copyright restrictions. So I think this is very interesting. And it's important to know, you know, there's not really much that we can do about things like that, unfortunately. You know, there are legal precedents that have to be followed. And it's, you know, it is... It's unfortunate, but it's also like the law. So this is a constant thing that's on this podcast, I think, that we have to always consider. It's like it's it's become so commonplace to get these things for free and not necessarily through legal means, regardless of what kind of series it is. And it's it's a little frustrating to deal with because people are expecting this access to free content but it goes the same way in other places like for me in japan uh for example i want to watch once upon a time which is a disney tv show i've enjoyed it what i've watched so far but the second to last and last seasons are not available in japan and they haven't even been subtitled into japanese i think that's what we're waiting on they were supposed to release seasons i think so season six sometime this year but it hasn't been released yet so i can't do anything uh unless i have i guess a vpn but i don't really do that sort of thing yeah so like i would still have to you know go through all these channels and so on and i have for example disney plus and i should be able to watch it there once it's ready but yeah it's just a small thing but it's like for me it's normal oh i have to wait it's normal to wait for things to come to your country that are from another country that's 
usually the case with American media in Japan. Sometimes I have to wait a whole year. I didn't watch Parasite until this year, in March, actually, just before the pandemic madness really kicked in, I suppose. And it's just like it's normal to wait. It's something I can't understand exactly, but I also really want everyone to enjoy these series. So it's a difficult topic. But yes, so it may or may not be available in English depending on where you live. And that's complicated, but that is that. So that's, you know, for the people for whom it is available now, congratulations. And if not, I'm very sorry, but it looks like you're going to have to wait just a little bit more. That's the only news I could dig up this week. So I think for now, oh, and we still don't know the next season's name yet, which is very interesting because now it's getting quite late. We've never had to wait so late in the year for this. But of course, this whole year has been a wild time. So uh, with that, Let's go into today's topic. So, um, when it comes to the ideas of what makes a magical girl a magical girl, you know, we have many different definitions, depending on who you ask. We try to keep an open mind here, so it is with that that I bring you today's episode. So... A lot of my friends are fans of Magical Girls. Huge surprise. So I was asking around for people who wanted to talk about Magical Girls with me. And, you know, I reached out to my one friend, Rose, who said that she was like right away interested in talking about my Otome. So this one feels a little out of left field, especially considering what we've covered so far. But... I think this is going to be a very interesting episode. This one is also an episode where I still have not watched any of the series that we are discussing. So I really do leave it mostly up to Rose to do all the talking. She's really great. And again, this is a podcast that is about the fans. It's not about me. So it's really no big deal. It just meant that I couldn't really contribute a lot. I had done research on the series uh, to try to figure out what was going on about it, but I didn't have the opportunity to watch it at the time that we recorded. So there is that. And while we don't use explicit language exactly, the topics are really, really heavy in this series. And so I feel the need to mention and warn you that there are mentions of sexual matters, um, problematic relationships between adults and children. I don't know to the extent of which it is, so I don't know if calling it pedophilia is appropriate or not, but it's there. And we also discuss sexual assault, so please consider if you're comfortable with those topics before you continue on. Also, there is a point where uh, Rose uses the phrase biological female, and I wanted to just clarify it's being used in a sarcastic way of describing how the creators would use the phrase to refer to the characters. And it's not a phrase that either of us actually use. Um, I know that it's sometimes hard to read sarcasm, so just in case. I think that's about everything for this week. So please enjoy us talking about Bai Otome. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about my Otome, and I have a very wonderful, interesting guest, and I would like to consider a friend. So could you please introduce yourself? 
Hello, my name is Rose, uh, she, her pronouns, and I think we've known each other just on Twitter for a while, but I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you very much. I can't remember when we started to interact, but it's been a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, My Otome, and this actually is the first time we're going to talk about a sequel before the original series so which is you know that's that's fine of course but uh yes my otome is a sequel to my hime and so i think it's best to in as few words as possible talk about what that is first before we go into uh, the meat of my otome sure i do want to say though that it's not exactly a sequel it's sort of a quasi sequel and i can explain what that means but okay you're right that we should mention my hime first was uh mm-hmm. i think 2004 from studio sunrise and it was essentially like a battle royale type show with a handful of girls that got their magic powers and they had to battle to the death and the gimmick was if they die then their most precious person also dies mm. so it was very tragic and it was popular at the time for sure and immediately got a sequel the next year mm. with my otome and uh, just to specify the year so yes my hime came out in uh, 2004 went on to 2005 so uh, how shortly after that was my otome you said it's like right after yeah, I think it started in fall or winter of 2005 and aired through 2006. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, and I know there are also some other related works as well, but they're all, I think they're mm-hmm. all under the My Otome name. Yeah. Would you say that My Otome is actually more, I guess, a larger series or more popular than My Hime? I think, well, it definitely has more spinoffs. It has a sequel OVA and a prequel OVA. Mm. Uh, and at the time, they had intended to make it a trilogy and do a third series. But this is Sunrise Studio 8, which ended up, uh, after a couple other shows, uh, Soreo Kakiru Shoujo, they ended up doing Love Live. And now they can never stop doing Love Live because it prints money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, well, yeah. So there will never be, there will never be another My series. Mm. That dream is dead. <laughs> That's too bad. I mean, it's kind of sad, but you're right. It probably is the power of money. It's such a huge show. I mean, <laughs> it's not even the first time Love Live has been mentioned in this podcast, even though it's not at all a Magical Girl series. It just... Yeah. I mean, I am a Love Live fan, so I don't want it to die either. But that doesn't mean we can't <laughs> make room for something else, you know? <laughs> I know, Yeah. I think among Western fans, especially, and I can't speak for Japanese otaku or anything, Mm -hmm. but in the Western fan bases I've seen, My Hime is more popular, even though Otome did get more like attention and spinoffs. Oh, that's interesting. Do you have any ideas as to why that might be? I think My Hime attracted a certain audience of people that like the darker, edgier girls hurting each other kind of stuff, which, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) there's that. Sure. Okay. Interesting. But you prefer my otome. I do. Okay. So let's go into, I guess, the differences. So you said it's not exactly a sequel. So let's go into that a little bit. Right. So how I think of it is, take, for example, you're playing a tabletop game like like Dungeons and Dragons or something. You play all the way and tell the whole story and it's over, but you really like these characters So you start a whole new game in a different setting, a different world, different rules, but you bring the characters over. Same name, same design, but they're in a different place. They do different things. Like maybe they act the same or maybe they have references to the old thing, but it's not at all directly related. That's basically my otome. Hmm. Interesting. 
yeah, I was trying to read uh, summaries myself and had a hard mm-hmm. time following. So, yeah, okay. I know that the name, well, in Japanese, the name uh, Mai Hime comes from, that's like the kind of, the, Hime is actually that kind of class of person that these girls are. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Yeah. And for anyone who wants to look at it, they might notice if they see the Japanese title. Uh, so even though my otome is a separate thing from like the word hime, mm-hmm. but the word hime is still present in the people name. <laughs> yeah. Which probably looks very confusing. <laughs> Yeah, and there's also the pun in the name of the my part is not just the possessive, right. you know, uh, I, but also my as in dance. Mm-hmm. And they call the fighting in the show dancing. Mm-hmm. So it's like a triple pun at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a lot of wordplay, which is fun. Very Japanese. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, so you might see it written as MY as in the yes, mm-hmm. English possessive my or MAI referring to the Japanese kanji that is used in the title. Right. Yeah. Um would you say this is kind of like science fiction because they're in a different world completely as you said? It is um more or less a science fiction show set in a, a different world and far enough in the future that technology has reverted. So there's the basic technology level they're looking at is more, I don't know, 1950s or something, but there are aspects of super technology from the far past. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, the saying about sufficiently advanced technology is no different than magic or whatever, however that goes. Mm -hmm. That's basically what we have here. So the girls are more or less magical girls, but their magic is nanomachines from the distant past that nobody understands anymore. Mm, Okay, that's interesting. It's like a bit of a reversal because a lot of, you know, what we think of as being magic comes from these like older traditions and older Mm -hmm. stories. So that really makes sense. Yeah, so as you said, um, using nano machines. Mm -hmm. So I think especially in the look of this series, and as you said, there's a bit more of a darkness to the series as a whole. Why would you say that this still qualifies as a magical girl series? Um, so it's always hard to quantify what is or isn't a magical girl series, right? Mm -hmm. Like go far enough back and the idea of combat in a magical girl series sounds crazy, right? Right. In this show, you do have girls that live normal lives and have their love lives and social lives. And they do sometimes transform into another magical form and get superpowers to do fighting. So I think you know, you, you kind of decide for yourself if that counts as magical girl or not. It's, uh, you know, maybe less traditionally so than a precure, but mm-hmm. more than, you know, something else. Mm-hmm. I consider it to be, and that's one of the reasons I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. So I don't want to invalidate anything. I think yeah, mm-hmm. this is one of those series where, yeah, sure, some people might not want to classify it as magical girl, but I think that, yeah, as your reasoning states, it really makes sense to mm-hmm. classify it as such. Of course, like you said, it doesn't quite look like the kind of magical girls that we see, especially for kids, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of the, the hits. And, you know, as far as like technology and stuff, I mean, Cutie Honey is an android, so it's fine, I think. <laughs> That's a fair point, And that goes way back. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I think we use magic uh, as a defining word, but really, what is mm-hmm. magic? You know, it's a whole other thing. <laughs> Sure, yeah. So yeah, great. Uh, Let's look a little bit more at the characters. Okay. Hmm. 
So uh, we have quite a few, but I believe the main one is Arika. Is that correct? Yeah, she's the main heroine. So it's maybe easier to talk about the characters if we briefly talk about the setting first. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. A lot of magical girl shows are more or less in a modern or easy to understand world, but the setting of Myotome is so complicated and dense mm-hmm. that is one of the main reasons that I love it so much. I would love to play a tabletop game set in this setting. <laughs> oh, interesting. So basically, like we already mentioned, this is a new world that was colonized a long time ago. Cars are the new technology on the block, except for the remnants of you know the ancient super technology and stuff like that. The Otome are super powerful to the point that, you know, a single Otome can really only be stopped by another one. And Mm -hmm. a single Otome could easily, without being stopped by one, destroy a whole country. Oh my God. They can't be stopped. So they're heavily regulated in the setting. Mm -hmm. You can only become an Otome by going to a specific school and you have to graduate. It's like really difficult to get in, difficult to graduate. And you have to make a contract with someone um, that's usually like royalty or a noble or somebody uh, really important in some government around the world. Mm -hmm. So what this ends up being is around the world in all these different countries, the most important people, the kings or the princes or the generals have these super powerful weapons that only they have access to and they can control. And the only thing that's stopping any of them from using them on the other countries is that everyone else also has this weapon. And if this sounds like a nuclear allegory, it's because it totally is. And very interesting. Yeah, it's totally an arms race allegory. And that is one of the most fascinating things about it to me. It's something that if you're just watching like on a surface level, you could completely miss because, you know, Arika, the the main girls and stuff, it's not uh, necessarily what they're focused on, but it's constantly in the background. And I think it informs a lot of the way the show takes place, a lot of things that happen in the show. So I wanted to mention that first, because going back to Arika, the impetus of the show in the first episode is she wants to become an Otome, even though she doesn't have royal backing, she doesn't have money, she comes from the middle of the desert. All she has is a pendant from her mother, who she's heard used to be an Otome. She never met her mom. She died when she was a baby. So she goes to try to enroll in this academy and become one herself, even though that's, you know, nobody does that. That's unheard of. And because it's the show, she gets into the academy, right? Of course, Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so there's a bit of altering the system a little bit, or if that makes sense. They're like kind of trying to change the system with her joining. Yeah, you know, she doesn't fit in to the established mold at all. Mm -hmm. The only reason really she gets in is somebody recognizes her pendant and takes her in as like a a secret patron and kind of bends the rules for her. Yeah, we can get into him a little bit later because it gets a little messy. There's some triangles and they're not... Anyway, yeah, so that's that's kind of what's going on. She's, you know, just super energetic, super upbeat girl that does not fit into this, you know, stuffy, not exactly Catholic school, but some of it seems like it's kind of based on Catholic school kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I see. Very strict. Okay, I understand there are at least there are two different types of otome. So is that like a different school or different class of otome? Oh, I yeah, I wasn't even going to mention this, but it's actually kind of you know fascinating. Well, I mentioned that otome are contracted to important people, mm-hmm. but there is one other kind. There are 
a certain number of Meister Otome that are contracted to the school itself. They're kind of a defense force just in case things go bad. Mm. And they're super looked up to in Mahime, two of the girls that in Mahime was kind of a problematic couple, was very one-sided and a little um, sexual assaulty at some points. In Mai Otome, they get a total reboot and they're just like a happy couple together. And they're both Meister Otome. One of them runs the school and the other one is just her wife. And it's totally cool. So that was very happy. (laughs) Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, of course, we appreciate when things are less uh, problematic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so that makes sense. Another thing that I noticed, and I'm not sure what this means in terms of the world itself, is that Mm -hmm. I don't know how many characters were also appearing in Mahime, but a lot of the characters have a mix of Japanese and Western names. Oh, that's a good point. And I noticed that, yeah, all of the names are written in katakana to show that they don't have kanji. Like, they're kind of separate from Japanese, but at the same time, a lot of their names are Japanese. Yeah, so Mahime takes place in Japan, Mm -hmm. uh, and most of the characters are from Japan. So anybody that got brought over, most of their names are mostly the same. Some of them have slightly different family names, but Mm -hmm. they kept those Japanese names, even though it doesn't fit this setting. Like, there is a fantasy East Asia mesh kind of country Mm -hmm. in in this setting but most of them are not from it i think they just didn't worry about the name thing so much (laughs) okay i see that's interesting i didn't think about it but yeah yeah i I mean that's one of the first things i look at is like if there are names like kanji and stuff but Mm -hmm. as someone who has or was born with like a name of mixed origin it's always interesting to see that of course yeah <laughs> okay, so very interesting. So without giving spoilers, I suppose, mm-hmm. what would you say someone can expect if they're going into this series? In fact, do you think someone can skip Mahime and just watch My Otome and be okay? Uh absolutely. In fact, that's what I did and we'll talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh you might get some more references or stuff, but you can definitely jump into My Otome. Mm-hmm. Okay. When someone is going to this series, mm-hmm. what would they be able to expect from, like, I guess, the regular episode? The show is 26 episodes, and the first half of the show is basically school life, what hijinks they get up to that time. There's character development that's going on in the background as you're watching, but mm-hmm. you're not on the edge of your seat waiting for that next plot development. And then everything changes. <laughs> and so the second half of the show is very much like that, like constant plot twists and political intrigue. And, you know, is this character still alive? I can't even tell what happened there. Ooh. Like, it's very exciting. And <laughs> it's hard to say, yeah, because it takes quite a drastic tonal shift halfway through the show. Hmm. Yeah, but it's not like a like a Pretty Cure show where... It's sort of um, episodic, you know, monster of the week kind of thing. It's, it's right. not like that at all. It, it's a continuous narrative for sure. I mean, like you said, 26 episodes, it's half the size of a pretty cure show. So mm-hmm. you're not going to have a lot of time for going into like side stories and right. little things. So that makes sense. Yeah. Very interesting. And so, uh, yeah, let's go into your history with this series. <laughs> sure. So this is kind of interesting. And let me just say, I got into Magical Girls with Sailor Moon, like I think a lot of people did, mm-hmm. when I was a kid. And I didn't know, you know, everything that was out there until many years later when I'm in college, 
and I joined an anime club and I learned about just the idea of watching something that's currently airing, like downloading it week to week was, you know, this was 2005 Mm -hmm. because that's when the show was airing. And so Mile Tome was the very first show I ever downloaded and watched week to week with fan subs back in that era. So it it would have a special place in my heart just for nostalgia, if nothing else, but Mm -hmm. it helps that I also really love it. I didn't even have anybody to talk to about it back then because like, you know, there was no social media really. And <laughs> so I'm going to my friends, even my anime club friends. I'm like, I'm watching this show. It's so exciting. You don't even know. And they're like, it's not on TV. You know, we're not watching it. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, you don't understand. It's so good. Like, mm. so, <laughs> so yeah, I watched it then. And then since then, Oh, when I watched it, though, I didn't even know about My Hime. I had no idea this was, you know, a a quasi-sequel at all. Mm. You know, as I learned more afterwards, you know, went back and watched the prequel, eventually watched the OVA sequels. You know, I appreciated the franchise more as a whole. And since then, I've rewatched it a half dozen times or so. Oh, my God. I bought it, you know, when I finally could get the DVDs. I've seen it dubbed and subbed a couple times, and most importantly, I've shared it with friends a couple times, and they're all like, you know, I'm really glad I watched this with you because your enjoyment of it is rubbing off on me. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so you can, at least in the U.S., it's available, I think it's all together, like the whole series, uh, including My Hime, like, uh, and all the My Otome uh, series can be bought together. Oh, really? Yeah. It was not that way when I got it. That's very interesting. Yeah, um, it's been a few years since, I think, but I believe it's, yeah, it's supposed to be a Blu-ray DVD combo pack of, of everything together. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I bought all of the different series on DVD alone before Blu-ray was a thing. So it makes sense that they've repackaged since then. Yeah, I think it's short enough that it, if it's like, you know, multiple Blu-rays, it can be all put together. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the announcement was made in 2018. Unfortunately, because we live in Japan, we cannot go onto the Funimation website to see these things. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, no idea, but actually, I could check Amazon right now and see because usually, if Funimation's releasing something, it'll end up on Amazon eventually. So let's see. I'm kind of surprised they did a Blu-ray because this was. 2005 was like the end of 4 by 3 perspective, so I don't know what the upscale would even look like. Aha, I found it. Yes, you can get the import on Amazon Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, it's got everything, it looks like. Yeah, Blu-ray DVD combo pack, My Hime, My Otome. Mm. It's a little expensive, but probably worth it, I think. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> but yeah, so... Did you buy it in the U.S. or in Japan? Yeah, back in the U.S. This, okay. I think I probably picked it up at various conventions or something, or maybe from mm-hmm. Right Stuff or something. I don't know. This series does have a bit of a cult following, right? That's kind of the image I get of it. Um, if that's true, I'd like to find out where this cult meets and make some <laughs> new friends, because every time I bring it up, people are like, oh, Hime's better. Like, I've never found anybody that can be passionate about this show with me. Mm, that's interesting. So, yeah, why is it that you prefer my otome? I mean, other than the probable obvious thing that you watched it first. Mm, I like my Hime. I think it's an interesting idea. And it's super exciting to watch. And I can't believe I've gone this long without mentioning one of my very favorite things about both series is the soundtrack. Kajiyori Yuki is just the best. And her soundtrack on both shows is so good. 
from the quiet scenes to the battle scenes, just like she is my favorite by far in the industry. That said, Mahime has a legendarily contentious ending. I don't want to get too deep into, but it has as many people angry about it as the ending of Lost. So like, (laughs) yeah, and and for a lot of people, and you know, I try not to let it just, you know, ruin my whole enjoyment of the show, but I understand that for a lot of people, it it does kind of ruin the whole show. It's one of Mm -hmm. those endings. Mm, (laughs) I see. Meanwhile, like I said before, Otome, even if you took out the setting itself, I just like the character development, the growth of Arika and the Deuteragonist Mashiro so much. They grow mm-hmm. so much as people and grow together as friends over the course of the show that it's inspirational to me. I really enjoy their their arcs. Mm. But add to that the setting that I gushed about earlier, that yeah. all these different countries, and it's I very much enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, that's also very important to enjoying a series as a setting, for sure. So, yeah, I was trying to look online for some opinions, and it looks like at least some people prefer, I think it was, like, especially the couple you mentioned. She's um, uh, Natsuki. Yeah, that's less problematic in my otome. Yeah. Yeah. At least it looks like some people prefer, at least for that aspect. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say this is, like, one of your favorite not just favorite Magical Girl series, but like favorite series in general? When I try to talk about objectively good anime or whatever, (laughs) this would not come up. But when I'm just talking about things that I personally am passionate about, absolutely, this is top five. You know, I can go back to this however many times and still enjoy watching it. Even if I wouldn't show it to everyone, it's not one of the things I've shown. I've watched with my mother. You know, my mom loves some anime, but I would not watch this with her. Interesting. Why is that? Not just like your mother, but why wouldn't you share it with some people? There's some problematic, gross stuff in this show. Two main things. The first of which is, I think, pretty common. Anime fans are probably used to, but uh, so I should at least mention. So Arika and uh, Nina are two of the main characters and they're 14 years old and the Mm -hmm. guy that's set up as the love triangle love interest is never given an exact age in the show but in the very first episode you see when Artika's a baby he's a student and looks like he's maybe eight so that would put him at like early 20s Mm. So that kind of sucks, right? Yeah, that's uh, not nice. It's unfortunately common. I mean, even Sailor Moon is the same in that way, but... Sure. Yeah. Here's the thing, like, it depends on how it's presented, is what I think. Like, I don't have mm-hmm. a problem with presenting a teen girl crushing on an older guy, because I think that's natural. It's sure. when the show is like, the guy goes for it, and it's okay that it's like, no, stop, right? <laughs> <laughs> to its credit... Mayotome does a pretty good job of Sergei, the guy being like, you know, this is just a phase, you know, it's cute and I appreciate it, but no, until it becomes plot relevant for him to have to seduce Arika. And he doesn't like go all the way, but it's enough of a will they, won't they, that it kind of sucks for a third of the show. And Nina is the other one in the triangle. And she's his daughter, sort of. They're not blood related, but he did adopt her when he was like 14 and she was Hmm. like four. I see. (laughs) He was a child soldier, so he had responsibility. Look, it's weird. And she calls him father and loves him. So like there's weirdness there. 
I don't love this, but I can, because it's not glorified and made to seem like a good thing in the show, I can kind of overlook it a little. Okay. The other problematic thing in the show is much harder for me to overlook, and I really hate it, but I got to bring it up. Go on. (laughs) It's about the aforementioned nanomachines. So let me ask, are you familiar with uh, Gundam at all? kind of like i've never been into robot stuff so i've never really watched it uh-huh. but i know like basically yeah it's a, it's a huge series so you can't ignore it in the original gundam series there's this thing called minovsky particles that are just like the magical sci-fi thing that makes everything else make sense if you just ignore how this one thing doesn't make sense then everything else in the universe fits right mm-hmm. that's what these nano machines are in Mayotome. And in the show, for whatever reason, the nanomachines only work in biological females, which already sucks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't like that. Right. Give me a sleepless domain with a trans magical girl any day, and I'm very happy, obviously. <laughs> but it gets even worse when the nanomachines break down and stop working if they come into contact with semen. What? The girls can never have sex with men. What? It's such a contrivance. That makes the Otome label make sense, but what? Yeah, there's another layer to the pun, right? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, okay. So that sucks. There are plenty of not not just anime, but like throughout history, things where people draw their superpowers by staying out of romantic relationships, right? That's that's a common theme. Mm-hmm. Now, by making it explicitly about sex with men that kind of sucks a little you know i wish they wouldn't have gone to that extent however in the show it is used as sort of an excuse to make it explicitly okay that it is okay for them to have same-sex relationships interesting especially for 2005 i was like Mm -hmm. that's great (laughs) we got like no representation back then yeah you know we had like Kanazuki no Miko, which is just mm-hmm. not good representation. And so I did appreciate that aspect. I hate that it came at the cost of biological females and like nonsense. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that sucks. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that is ugh, that's not that's not good. Yeah, the situation's kind of like Marimite, like a Catholic-ish school in here, and they push the girls together like senpai kohai relationships that maybe they can be more than friends kind of thing. And that way they won't be tempted by men. Hmm. Uh, It's like maybe I'm making the best out of a bad situation. Maybe I'm just taking the scraps I can get out of gay representation in shows. But I I had to bring it up. Yeah, that's really complicated. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely like, that's something that still kind of exists where it's like, like even yeah like you said before sunrise also makes love live and love live is another show where men don't exist but it's like right i mean (laughs) it's great but it's like it's a series for young boys so the idea is like yeah i don't love that (laughs) there's no self-insert guy or whatever right yeah 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 they like naturally have these kind of deeper relationships and yeah there's a lot of shipping but at the same time it's like yeah, it's weird. It's like sort of complicated. This is idea of like idols, you know, in real life. Oh, the purity culture and everything is, yes, it's a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's like one more thing. It's like, how do we make sure that these characters don't have relationships with men? Well, 
We just won't put any men in the series. Yeah. You know? It's very interesting to think about. Also, I got to say one more thing, one more problematic thing. There's one okay. episode with a tentacle monster. It what? sucks. <laughs> it's anime as hell. I hate it. But, you know, <laughs> this isn't the first show to do it. It's not going to be the last. Just what does it say? There's a tentacle monster at one point. Okay, we can move on. <laughs> Thank you for the warning. I think, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not the worst thing that can happen, but yeah, it depends. <laughs> there are tentacle things in like panty and stocking, and I love when it's used there, so I can't exactly complain 100%. Sure. I suppose it depends on how it's presented, <laughs> but from the how you're phrasing it, I'm going to assume it's, I'm not going to enjoy the presence of it. No, it's skeevy and... In the first half of the show, the plot sort of meanders a little uh, as they're getting their footing uh, in it from a storytelling perspective. And in those episodes, you end up with hijinks. And one of the hijinks is, what if there's a tentacle monster in the pool? Oh, it sucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would almost say skip the episode. Okay. But, <laughs> you know, it's 26 episodes that so you can get through it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess we'll leave it for listeners. They can decide for themselves whether or not they would like to subject themselves to that. So thank you very much for the warning. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is like not an uncommon thing for many people watching these kinds of series. Mm -hmm. There will always be some problematic elements to shows. It's just, you know, certain deg <laughs> degrees of it, I guess. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think when you love something, you, I don't want to say you, at least for me, I don't overlook the problems with it. It's more like mm -hmm. I accept them and I'm just ready for them. If I'm going to show it to a friend, I warn them, but I'm one of those people that maybe I'm easy to please or whatever. Mm -hmm. I like being critical of the things I love, sure. I guess I'll say. Yeah, that's fair. I would agree. I think that's a healthy thing to do with most things that people love fiction or nonfiction or people or whatever you know nothing is really perfect so we always have to figure out how to deal with those imperfections mm -hmm. yeah so I guess we are almost finished so is there anything else you think is worth mentioning about my otome I guess I should briefly mention the spin-offs since we brought them up a little bit earlier okay the sequel OVA it doesn't really add much aside from more of the action stuff. If you like the action stuff, you get more of the different characters that kind of got sidelined in the plot of the main show. Mm -hmm. But the prequel OVA is really, really good. I Almost to the point that I think it might stand on its own. And it also serves as sort of a bridge between Hime and Otome. Oh, interesting. It's also the first um, high def of the series. So it was Blu-ray like... Uh, 16 by 9. It is beautifully animated and it has some of the most intense action like choreography of magical girl fights I have ever seen. Oh. Very into that. Uh, so I wanted to bring that's uh, Mayotome Cipher. Okay. The Cipher is spelled S period IFR for some weird reason, but yes. So okay. <laughs> if you do watch the show, keep an eye out for the OPA. Don't skip that. Don't sleep on that. Mayotome uh, Tsvai, you can. Take it or leave it. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But don't miss Cipher. Okay, great. So, uh, yeah, definitely listeners should keep that in mind. Thank you so much. So that leaves us with our last question. <laughs> I think we're finally here. <laughs> Rose, if you were a magical person, what would your persona be like? 
I've been really giving this some thought since you warned me that this would be on the show. And despite spending, what, however long now talking about this show that's about magical girls mostly fighting, I really feel like for me, it would hearken more back to the 70s and 80s era of like girls just helping people and doing nice things with their powers. Mm. <laughs> like the more of the, I don't know, like Pinky Momo or, or something like that era. Sure. I'm happy when I'm helping people. I love to go out of my way for people. I think that if I could use magic to do that, it would be even more so. So maybe it would be some kind of magical teacher kind of situation because I really do love teaching. And if I could use magic to like, I don't know how it would, how I would do it, but just to help the kids understand better to like make it more relate to them. Okay. How about this? Back in the eighties uh, and even further back, like Fushina Melmo from the sixties, uh, it was very common for magical girls to use magic to age up, right? They were yeah. like very little kids and they aged up into teens or adults. Maybe I need the opposite oh. so that I can go back and relate and like relate to the kids. And then I can come back as the teacher and be like, oh, like now I can explain this concept. <laughs> and I actually know what all these Korean bands that you're talking about are because I just spent the last couple hours. That's really interesting. <laughs> I think maybe a little bit of wish fulfillment because I didn't get to exactly live a normal girl's life growing up as a teen mm-hmm. right and that would certainly be how I'd use my magic <laughs> that's really interesting actually I have a I have a magical girl like original character who's kind of like that where she became a magical girl a little bit older mm-hmm. I guess the way I have it is she's the getting her magic powers helps her through her second puberty and then the main story will be when she's older so she's like already like out of college and things and she has to find her uh, next like I guess her predecessor but every time she transforms even though she's a fully adult woman she reverts back to how she was when she first transformed so she becomes a young girl again oh that's adorable I love that idea thank you (laughs) all right sign me up for the live action adaption I guess (laughs) okay sounds good (laughs) (laughs) aside from like the kind of themes of what uh that kind of uh magical girl what would you have any ideas as to what Mm -hmm. your like appearance would be like like would you have any particular sort of theme that you are more attached to or anything like that i definitely love kind of witchy costumes Hmm. and i love the color blue like a like a cerulean like a deep blue So some kind of a blue witchy outfit would really suit me. Sounds great. Um, I'm in. <laughs> I'm not super great at design, but that's <laughs> that's what comes to mind okay. for sure. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> okay, well, Rose, thank you so much for talking to me uh, throughout this uh, yeah, afternoon. Yeah, thank you. If anyone wants to yes, talk to you about my otome mm-hmm. or just uh, hit you up in general, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter too much, so you'll find me there at AngryArya, <laughs> A-R-I-A. Uh, so yeah, definitely just send me a tweet. Uh, you can talk about anything. You know, it doesn't have to be my otome. I'm, like I said, on there way too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I guess I'll you know, talk to you, uh, see you around Twitter. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkleside Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. Anchor is also where you can leave a short message if you want to talk about your favorite magical girl or ask a question related to the podcast. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co-fi.com slash Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at Twinkle Parks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical. Magical.